0: I want to remind you that we are continuing our 2017 theme of Light of Life. And our theme verse is John chapter 8, verse 12. As most of you probably know and are aware of, uh, we have a project going on church wide. We have challenged the congregation to partner with one of four ministries that we have uh, gone to and said, We think you're doing good things. We think you're being a light in the community. We don't want to reinvent the wheel. We just want to come alongside you. And participate and partner with what you're doing. And so these four ministries, Simple House, the College Christ Church of Christ Soup Kitchen, uh, the Riverwalk Church of Christ Simple House, Carpenter Place, and then, of course, the Celebrate Recovery Ministry here at Northside uh, are the ministries that we have asked to partner with. And we have those coordinators who have been taking all of your sign-ups. By the way, as of this morning, 260 of you have signed up to partner this year to donate $20 and at least 17 hours uh, in 2017 as we partner with these ministries. I'm very excited. Uh, Not so much that you are doing that, but that God's going to shine through you, that you're going to be a conduit for his working in Wichita this year. So thank you to those of you who have signed up. And now if you didn't sign up and you change your mind later in the year you may of course go to the coordinators at any time the coordinators need to begin coordinating and getting all the people in the right place places at the right times Uh, so they begin assimilating the list and if you have signed up they will be in communication with you via email via facebook maybe a good old-fashioned phone call or text message i don't know but uh, they will be in touch with you and let you know where you can be plugged in we are today continuing in our sermon series called Reset, and we're looking at the ways in which God allows us to reset our lives and to reset our priorities. And uh, I'm excited because this has been one that's been, at least from the feedback I've had, very helpful to a lot of folks. Of course, I guess no one ever goes to the preacher and says, I really hate this sermon series. I get, I get that. Um, but we talked about Jesus resetting my life. He's the only one who can actually uh, correct the huge, uncorrectable mistakes you've made in your life. Uh, we talked last week about resetting my priorities, about seeking first the kingdom and his kingdom. And today, I tell you excitedly that we are going to talk unapologetically about money, to which most of you, inwardly at least, go, here we get the money talk again. I thought about that. Why is it that people get so uncomfortable talking about money in church? You know, there are more verses on money in this book uh, than any other topic. It's one of the very top things that God talked about and that his son addressed. Why is that? Well, Jesus said it very succinctly when he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, If you have a wallet or purse, if you would get it out and hold it up, Just prove it to us. I'll hold out my money clip. I'm I'm not a wallet carrier. But when you hold this in your hand, what Jesus says there is that you are really holding your heart, your values, the things which matter to you. Uh, I do all, you can put those away now. I know people get real nervous when the preacher says, get out your checkbooks in church. Uh, (laughs) The... I don't have a, a checkbook. It's on my phone. I do it all digitally. And so this morning I do my online giving thing and I open up Church Life and you can you can give online through that. And as I was putting that in and then I was going over to my checkbook app and entering that in, the, it occurred to me that on that app, which shows every transaction in my checking account, what it's really doing is showing the values of my heart. It's showing the things which really matter to me. Now, I can say a lot of things matter to me, but when it comes right down to it, if you want to look at my checking account, that's where it shows. If you want to look in your wallet, that's where it shows. That's where your heart is. And so when we address money, we're not just talking about budgets and capital campaigns. What we're really doing is talking about heart issues. And so one of the things that I want to be very clear on is that Northside will be a church that consistently and unapologetically talks about money. Not so that we can get more in the plate, but so that we can work toward understanding the values of your heart. That we can help everyone learn biblical stewardship. What it means to take the money that you held up just a few moments ago and stop seeing that as yours Instead, seeing that as God's in your hands. And so as we do that, we do talk about money from time to time. Um, And the reason for that is because not just as the Bible talk about it over and over and over again, but in our world, we have a ton of financial stress. It affects everything. Certainly our marriages, one of the number one Fights that couples get into, I shouldn't say fights, moments of intense fellowship, have to do, of course, with the checkbook. Because what, what you have there are two hearts, two values that are competing together. I've said before that I am a natural saver. I think people are natural givers, savers, or spenders. Uh, my wife is a natural giver. And so as fast as I want to pile it up and sock it away for a rainy day and for 30 years from now, she's ready to give that stuff away. Just doesn't bother her one single bit. Well, see any moments of intense fellowship that we've had come to our values clashing. You see, our hearts are clashing. And so when we talk about financial stress, you're talking about values stress. It affects your performance on the job. It affects how you work. It affects church stability. Uh, Recently, we had to cancel services because we had a power outage. And I was thinking back several years ago, we had a big snowstorm. And there was an article in the paper talking about how that affects churches. Because there are many churches that are literally living from Sunday to Sunday. That when they miss a Sunday, their congregants don't often make up the giving And so then they're forced to still pay the bills, and many churches are in positions where they can't make even the very simple bills like electricity and water and trash service and all that. And I thought, what a terrible thing. Uh, Now, you should rest assured that Northside is not a church. Now, we don't want to skip a bunch of Sundays, I tell you, but we have elders who are committed to solid biblical stewardship. They don't want stress to be a part of our church family, and they don't want to make decisions based on financial stress. It certainly affects your marriage life, uh, students. You know, you're going to go t- to school, and those schools are more than happy to sign you up at 18 years of age with loans that you will never be able to get rid of. You can't bankrupt them. To me, that's immoral. But it, so it affects everything is what I'm saying. Seventy percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. They don't have a plan, or the plan that they have is a really bad one. Um, Their plan for an emergency is hope that there's no emergency. Their plan for college is taking out a bunch of loans. Uh, Their plan for retirement is hope that they can get by on Social Security and let the government, which is well known for its ability to manage money, Handle their financial situation when they're older. Their hope for their plan for giving is to observe the Passover as the plate goes by. Well, you see, that's not much of a plan. This morning, if you have some of these red flags in your life, if you don't have a budget, meaning you don't have a plan, you just the money comes in and the money goes out and the names are changed to protect the guilty. Uh, If you don't have Uh, If you are constantly confusing your wants and your needs, you find yourself watching commercials and saying, Yes, yes, I do need a car with a giant red bow on it. Yes, that's exactly what I need. If you have more month than money, if you're fighting constantly with your spouse over the values of your heart, if every time they talk about church or even mention it, You get angry or guilty because though you want to give, you cannot give. I hope that you'll listen this morning because when it comes to money, a lot of us at church look about like this. We have a ton of stress and just hoping that nothing goes wrong. The good news is if your financial situation is this, this doesn't have to be a permanent situation. God wants you to, and this is not a prosperity gospel sermon, but I do believe when you apply the principles of this book, as God your father told you to apply them, you'll have blessings financially. And here's what the book says. Uh, It gives us three solutions that we're going to look at this morning. The first one is, if you want a solution to your financial stress, you have to begin by honoring God first. You could just say to yourself, today, next Sunday, I'm going to honor God first by giving. And then what are you going to give? You have to, you have to decide first. I know several people who have done this, and I just share my story because I don't want to share their story. But how they choose to apply this is when they receive a paycheck and they go to pay their bills, whether they're writing a check or doing it online, the very first thing they do is write something to the Lord. What's that doing? The the Bible says in uh, Proverbs chapter 22, which we're going to look at in just a minute, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 3, which we'll look at in just a minute, to honor the Lord first. We often are stressed because we try to do everything at once. We put food on the table, make the mortgage, the rent, pay the bills, get out of debt, plan for retirement, save for college. And when all that's done, if we can do anything else, there's often very little or nothing left. How on earth am I supposed to honor the Lord? Well, the key is you've got that backwards. You've got to put him first. That's what we said last week. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, A guy told me at Northside that last year we had a 90-day challenge where I challenged the congregation to grow in the grace of giving. Joe mentioned that this morning. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. Excel As you excel in everything, see to it that you excel in the grace of giving. And I said, if you're not giving something, try giving something. If you're giving irregularly, here and there as you can, try giving regularly, purposing ahead of time. If you're giving regularly, try tithing, which is the biblical word for 10%, and giving that to the Lord first. If you've been tithing for a long time, try making a sacrifice. So the point was, wherever you are, take one step further. And I had a guy tell me just recently, he said, you know, we we did that, we took you up on that. And uh, the, we felt pretty good, and then I lost my job. And I sort of thought, you know what? God's going to take care of us. And then a week and a half later, he got a call and a job offer for a new job, making one and a half times his old salary. Now, does that always happen? I can't guarantee that it will. But I do believe that God takes care of those who put him first. And you say, well, I'd love to do that, preacher. I'd love to. But how can I? You've got to decide. At some point, you've got to decide that you're going to trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your heart. See, Jesus would say, with all your treasure and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Let's look at Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and ten. Proverbs three, nine and ten. By the way, the Proverbs, if you want some good advice on money and business, Proverbs is the best book you can read. You can just do uh, one a day, one chapter a day and get through it in about a month. And you'll find some of the best advice that God ever gave on how to handle money. Chapter three, verse nine and ten. The Lord writes, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of. Of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. We usually get that backwards. We say, first, I want to get my barns filled. (laughs) First, I I want my vats to be overflowing. Then I'll honor the Lord. And God said, that's not how it works. You honor me first with the first fruits. Um, When you're well, I can just do it pretty easy. This morning, how many of you, by show of hands, say you trust in the Lord? (laughs) This is one of those moments in church. You need to be raising your hand. Okay? Now, you can raise your hand, but your treasure is the measure of whether that's true. Because your treasure shows exactly, line by line, what the values of your heart are. And whether you truly honor the Lord and trust him first. So the simple principle is put God first. And the common reaction right here is guilt and shame and anger at the preacher. And I want to tell you that I have felt the very same thing. This is why Northside's been so good for me, because it has helped me to learn by the DNA of this congregation to grow in the grace of giving. As I said, I'm a natural saver. I'm not a natural giver. And when I would hear lessons from Steve on giving and tithing, it would just make me angry and frustrated. But God really challenged me, using the voice of Steve Tandy, that he wanted me to be blessed. And the only way to turn on the faucet was to open up my heart, which meant opening up my wallet. To be a better giver and a tither, it allowed me... To trust God and say, God, I don't know where else the week is going to go, but I trust you. I trust you with this, and I trust you first. Now, if you're still sitting there angry and frustrated and pouty and arms crossed, because you say that's wonderful news, but I can't do it. I want you to know that Northside is not just committed to preaching biblical stewardship, but we are committed to helping teach. Biblical stewardship. We are here to help you, which leads to solution number two, and that is we want you to get a plan. Now, there are admittedly a number of books and classes about the topic of financial stewardship. FPU is the best one that I know of. It's the gold standard of a biblical approach to financial stewardship that gives you something to put into practice every week. If you know anything about the class, it's just based on seven simple baby steps. They're simple. They're not always easy, but they're seven simple steps for realigning your heart and your wallet with God's values. We have offered that for several years. On average, an FPU student will save $2,300, save up $2,300 in the first 90 days of of FPU, and they will pay off $5,700 in debt. Now, you say, well, what's the big deal in that? That's going to allow them to be able to do the things that they want to do in God's kingdom. Now, our next class will start on February the 12th. It will be here at Northside. It will be at 5 o'clock. And the coordinators, I'll ask them to stand, will be David and Brenda Heller and Terry Kingsley. And I ask them to stand only so that you know who they are and if you would like to know more about FPU, or if you have questions about it, you can ask them. Thank you for being willing to coordinate and teach and facilitate this class. You can register for the class. You must register for the class on, on our website. And the materials, do they are expensive. They are $100. I'll make the same deal to you that we make every time we offer it. So we ask you to pay the price of the materials. But if you are strapped and you, your heart is in it, then I'll make you a deal. You pay what you can pay. You pay what you can pay, and we'll find the scholarship somewhere else. And later on, when you're able to be a blessing to someone, help somebody else go through the same class, okay? Our purpose is not to, we're certainly not making money. We're just trying to help people and give them the tools, and that will start February the 12th. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Proverbs 21, verse 5 says this, The plans of the diligent... Leads surely to abundance, but everyone is who is hasty comes only to poverty. You need to have a plan. You need to have a plan for anything that you do. Jesus said, if a man wants to build a tower, he first sits down and figures out how many supplies he's going to have to have and how deep to dig the footings and how long it's going to take to do the construction. He has a plan. If the king wants to go to war, he sits down with his generals and he says, what do we have? What can we do? What can we achieve? Because if, if those gentlemen don't do those things, they won't be able to finish the tower and they won't be able to, to win the war. The same is true with anything in life. If you want to have a good marriage, you've got to plan to do so. If you want to raise godly children, you've got to plan to do so. And if you want to do with your wallet and with your money the things God wants you to do, you've got to have a plan because you're a steward. God's given you your money to manage for his glory. The plan that you'll learn in FPU, these are profound plans. I hope you'll write them down. Profound, I tell you. Live on less than you make. And when you live on less than you make, it gives you margin, which gives you options. And by the way, it decreases your stress. Here's another profundity. Don't buy stuff that you can't afford. I know, I know. Some of you are sitting in the pews this morning thinking, wow. Third is be content. Be content. You know, that's easier to to say than to do. Because I have a pretty nice television at home. took me a while to save up for it, and I put it up above it. It looks real nice exactly where it is. But every time I go to Best Buy, you know what I think? My TV is not nice enough. It's just HD. It needs to be ultra HD. It's just a flat screen. It needs to be curved. You see, if you get in that race, you'll never win. If you never learn to be content, the scriptures tell us that godliness with contentment is great gain. Because you can be satisfied with what you have, then you can do more with the margin that's in your life. Act your wage. Act your wage. Live in proportion to your income. Look at the ratios and decide if your lifestyle is in proportion to what you make. Now, these are all repeated in the Proverbs, but when you apply them is when they begin to give you peace. And when you have a good plan, then lots of good things can happen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and twenty through 21, which is read for us, so I won't read it again, except the last verse. For where your treasure is, there shall your heart be. Imagine... The story of the good Samaritan, except imagine it if he was broke. That would be the worst Bible story ever. There was a man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was caught in the hands of robbers and was left by the roadside dead. And a Pharisee came by and a teacher of the law came by and they couldn't help him. And then a Samaritan came by and he wanted to help, but he couldn't. Because he was making too many payments. Because he was strapped because he was on his way to Best Buy to get the newest TV. Terrible story, right? The story of the Good Samaritan would have been forgotten if he didn't have the tools to do it, the tools to put the man up and take care of his wounds and to pay for an extra night at the hotel. We've had things happen like, like that at Northside as well. Several years ago, the world got in financial straits and things were looking bad. Uh, For everyone, as people lost their jobs and incomes went down and, you know, we watched giving, not surprisingly, go down. And so the shepherds said, well, the first thing we should do is ask all the ministry leaders to cease spending as much as possible. And so they shut off everything. And then they started taking a hard look line by line at some things that we could cut. And they made a decision because the youth group at that time had two youth interns. And he said, eh, if we're asking everyone to cut, we should ask the youth group to do the same. And so they did. They said, we'll give you one youth intern, but not two. And so they shared that with the congregation. And it was so cool. Because I had a gentleman come up immediately and say, don't worry about the second intern, it's covered. And he wrote me a check. I'm not going to tell you who it is because he's not concerned with that. But I will tell you that he's a Northsider and his parents are Northsiders. And that I know from their hearts that they are exceptional givers as well. They support so many good things that's in there. I can only imagine that their son growing up watched his parents doing that. They, he watched continually where their hearts were. And so when he got to a point in his life and the church said, look, we're being good stewards, he said, hey, I'll I'll make sure we find that. And he just wrote the check. And the, the other cool story is I had about two or three offers from individuals after that who said, can I write a check? That was beautiful because, you see, they had the margin in their life to do the things that God wanted them to do. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And by the way, that female intern, she's still influencing girls for the cause and the kingdom of Christ. That seed is reaping a harvest over and over and over again. That's beautiful. That's what the kingdom of God should be like. He had to have it to give it, and he had to have a heart for God's kingdom. When you're both willing and able, then you are ready for the final solution. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's Acts 20:35. Then another way of saying that is signing the back of the check is fun, but signing the front of the check beats it every time. And I have learned this from my dear wife. Uh, we, we have our giving, but we have an extra line that we call special giving. And it's just for things that come up when a kid's going on a mission trip or, or somebody's hurting in the congregation. And today, because my kids are homesick, She said, hey, I need you to give this to such and such for thus and so. And I just got to be the deliverer. But it was so cool to see, to be a part of God's kingdom and to be able to do that, to experience the joy and the blessing. You see, it's not all about what goes in the golden plate. It's about the church working together. And Northside is a wonderful congregation at that. There are lots of you who hear me talk about FPU and say, yes, you need to take it. And they'll come up to me afterwards and say, if anybody needs a scholarship, you let me know and I'll write you a check. And I appreciate that so much. There are people that and the reason they can do that is they've been living their entire lives by the FPU principles because the FPU principles are nothing more than God's principles of how to how to use God's money. But we have something for you as well. And I want to challenge you to think about taking the second solution and the final one that we'll talk about today. And that is to start leaving a legacy. Almost 40 years ago, there was a lady by the name of Blanche Phillips. Blanche Phillips is a lady that you don't know. And truthfully, I don't know. She died the year I was born. And when she died, she left in her will A sizable sum that was to be given and managed by the church for the purpose of putting ministers, young men, through preaching school. So that they could go to school without incurring debt and be able to bless the kingdom. Now, can I say to you this morning that you're being blessed this morning, not because of me, but because of Blanche Phillips. Who nearly 40 years ago decided to invest seeds far beyond her lifetime. And as I baptize kids in the youth group. And as I baptize some of you. And now some people are becoming ministers in the kingdom. That tree reaps fruit over and over and over again. That's such a beautiful legacy of Blanche Phillips. And I want to challenge you that if you're out of debt. And you have an emergency fund. And you've experienced the growing in the grace of giving. And blessing and the joy that comes with that. I want to challenge you to start leaving a legacy. To start thinking beyond your life. But thinking about what you could do to influence the kingdom. We understand that here at Northside because in 1986 a group of Northsiders, many of whom have gone on to their reward, made a sacrifice. So that in 2017 when I go to the store, go to the coffee shop, people come up to me and say I really love The program. Now, they're not saying they love me. They're saying they love the program. They love the Northsiders who, in 1986, decided to make a sacrifice so that they could leave a blessing, so that they could leave a legacy. That is powerful. Legacy is when your influence outlasts you. So what will you do? How will you bless someone else? Well, this class, you can learn about it. It starts on February the 6th. Again, the materials are $100, and you register online. And Frank McKee's over here, and Frank McKee is the coordinator. And this, is, this class, again, is for people who are out of debt, have an emergency fund, and they're ready to think beyond today. They're ready to think to tomorrow, to bless their children, to bless the church, to bless generations of people who will go after. This ch- class, as I said, starts February 6th, and it will be not here at the building, but at Carpenter Place And so if you are interested, please talk to Frank or get a hold of him and ask him if you have more questions. We'd love to have you be a part of building a legacy at Northside. Thank you, Frank. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Your legacy starts today. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. But the second best time to plant a tree is now. If you want to leave a legacy, and that could be a financial legacy where you're able to bless your children and your children's children. But it could be a spiritual legacy where you're able to support missionaries and plant churches and provide for ministers and provide for struggling churches. Think of the possibilities if you put your wealth completely in God's hands. Imagine leaving a blessing to your children Now, imagine saying, I'm going to take part of your inheritance, children, and I'm going to bless you with it now. Or taking a big trip to the Bahamas or Hawaii or something and just experiencing the joy in their faces now. Imagine your children or your children's children being able to go to college without debt because you're able to to fund that. Imagine not being a financial burden, but being a financial blessing. Imagine being able to fund the good works like... Kids going to camp or missionaries doing missions overseas or missions in our own backyard or benevolent works or struggling churches. Imagine being able to leave a trust that would perpetually fund to know your Bible or a local church or some kingdom work long after you're gone. You see, legacy is cool stuff. Oh, of course, giving it's powerful, but legacy. And I'm here today because of legacy. And I want to be a legacy someday. And I want to be able to teach others to do the same thing. Well, I finish by closing with this story. Johnny loved to play Monopoly. And he loved to play because he always got to play with his grandmother. And she was very good. She was exceptionally good at Monopoly. And besides being exceptionally good, she was ruthless. She would not let Johnny win. You played with some of those people. And he would play and, and work his hardest to beat his grandmother, but he never could until the day finally came. He was about 12 or 13 years old, and he finally, he, he rolled just the right way, and he bought just the right properties at just the right time, and he had this pile of cash, and grandmother landed on Park Place with a hotel, and she was done. And as he smiled like he was, could have eaten a banana sideways, he looked at his grandmother, who, at the age of wisdom, said, Now the most important lesson of Monopoly is this. It's my game. And when the game's over, it all goes back in the box. And you know, everything that you held up this morning, as wonderful as much or as little as it is, one day is going to be in someone else's hands. Someday the box is going to close. And my question for you is, are you ready for when it all goes back in the box? The moral of the lesson of Monopoly is that we don't get to play forever. We have to be prepared for when the game is over. Jesus told a story about a man. He said... In the land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, now I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Eat, relax, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. If you don't miss the lesson that we can be good with our finances and be empty spiritually, if you don't know the greatest blessing is not your physical riches, but the eternal riches through Christ, then you are not ready for the box to be closed. And if that's the case, I want to invite you this morning as we can help you know Christ and to grow in Christ. Or if you need to help in some other way, please come and let our shepherds pray with you and for you as together we stand in sync.